welcome to Cup of Cubby Blue, your off-season one-stop shop for Cubs news, notes, and banter, and your post-season one-stop shop for everything you need to know about what's going on in the playoffs. We are the official podcast of Bleed Cubby Blue, and you can find us online wherever you get your podcast by searching for Bleed Cubby Blue. You can also find us on Twitter at, at Cup of Cubby Blue. My name is Sarah Sanchez. I write about the Cubs at Bleed Cubby Blue. Hi, guys. I'm Andy Cruz Vanasek, and I talk about the Cubs and, I guess, 2019 playoffs on Cup of Cubby Blue with Sarah Sanchez. (laughs) Yeah, so um, obviously we took a little bit of a longer break off after the Cubs season ended, but we'll be back at least weekly throughout the offseason. And we'll probably jump in um, a little bit more than that if stuff happens. So when the Cubs get a new manager or if there are any trades or anything like that, we will certainly be recording quickly to give you all of that news. But you can hear from us at least once a week. Does that sound like a plan? I'm I'm down with that. I, I don't know what, I, what I'm going to do without baseball, so I think once a week is the least we can do. Yeah, I, th- I think that'll work. Um, and, you know, obviously, if we have more to talk about, we'll just jump on and record an episode. We um, always have more to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so... Let's start with some Cubs stuff, and then we'll jump into what's been going on in the playoffs. Full disclosure, the Cardinals and Braves game four is on as Andy and I are recording this. It's the end of the game-ish. What is it, like the seventh inning or something like that? I think Um, it just ended the sixth, actually. This game is moving very slow. Oh, okay. Um, So... We, if, if there are random reactions, that is Andy and I reacting to the Braves-Cardinals game. The Braves have taken the lead after a pretty clutch little comeback there, um, and it is currently 4-3. to three, So they are trying to eliminate the Cardinals in St. Louis, and you just hate to see it. Well, I, I need to add something very quickly. I know we'll talk about this more later, but I wanted to say because um, I was just reading a couple posts of yours today on social media about um, the – the inexpensive price tags on playoff tickets for Cardinals baseball today. And I actually, I'm not one that actively talks crap to Cardinals fans in St. Louis because I don't want to lower myself to their level. So I sat very quietly today at my desk after the complete, um, what do I want to say? There's not a good word for how that game went yesterday. I'll just say it was not good for them when they (laughs) lost the game in the top of the ninth, but I did not say anything. I did, however, have a couple people come and say things to me about how much I was enjoying this. And I reminded them that, no, I am not a Cardinals fan. That's not how I work. So, um, <laughs> but the other thing I was told is that the reason why people aren't at these games is because they're waiting for the next round. Well, I don't know what to tell you, Cards fans. You might not have a next round. Well, the tickets yes. today were eleven dollars. Yes. yes, eleven dollars yes. for an elimination game. This is a team that has been complaining for ages about how they're they're they haven't been in the postseason since 2015, and they don't get respect and yada yada. And eleven dollars, people. They the stadium looked a third empty when the game started. I just. Well, and in all fairness, because yes, you know, let's put this into context a little bit, because yes, it is a Monday afternoon in October when many people have to work and go to school, blah, blah, blah. Yesterday was a Sunday, 2 p.m. game. I looked just for um, giggles and grins at how much it would cost my family of five to go to the game. And it was uh, right at about $100. And about an hour before the game, we were offered tickets by um, a neighbor friend for very good 
tickets, very good seats. I know where these seats are. And there was actually six seats, but we are offered um, all six seats, which would include my family of five for $150. All six seats? Are you kidding me? No. One single, one single seat to a weeknight wild card game last year. So one single seat at Wrigley Field. And this was the cheapest I could have gotten it. I got lucky. I had a friend in the bleachers who couldn't use their seat and were willing to sell it to me at face. There were no face value seats available at Wrigley Field. Was $96 last year for one wild card game seat on like a Thursday night. Like I, (laughs) come on, $11 to go to a playoff. Y'all are about to be eliminated. $11. I, St. Louis. It's it's one of those things where they are just completely insufferable now. Like it just, it, you know, you're not going to, you wouldn't see that stadium full unless it was like the World Series. Like it just, it, it's kind of, they've become very spoiled and which I can kind of understand because we admitted to being a little spoiled the past four years as well. And this is a hard postseason to swallow because we're not involved in it but come on guys you you got to enjoy what you have while you have it because you just never know when it's going to go away and it could or could not be in three innings totally um speaking of and i do need to give this shout out so um ashley who writes for bleed cubby blue and also for like a bunch of other sites and she's brilliant she um is the editor at bless you boys and she's a huge Rays fan pointed out to me today that the Rays had a more crowded stadium for their afternoon game against the Astros than the Cardinals did. So like, I just want, <laughs> ouch. I Thank you, people, Ashley, but ouch. You know, Cause everybody's talking about, Oh, can Florida support baseball? Blah, blah, blah. Baseball's best fans in St. Louis. The race turned out for their playoff team. St. Louis did not. Um, we'll talk more about the Cardinals in a bit. I've, I've got lots to say about this, about that series, but before we do, we're going to talk Cubs. Uh, so the most interesting thing that is going on in Cubs land right now, manager central. Oh my God. Like all manager talk all the time. Let's just recap who the confirmed candidates are. And, and, and let me just, before we get into this, I, I'm going to make a promise to y'all listeners of cup of cubby blue and people who read my stuff at BCB or at baseball prospectus for that matter. Um, I will never spread a rumor that is just like a random person hypothesizing on something without telling you that's what it is. So if you see me write something or we say something on this show, it is because it has been confirmed by like sources or it has been reported by someone who has cited sources like within the Cubs organization or something. And and we will flag things that are not that. So we're going to tell you if like, hey, Random baseball person X just said this because they think it makes sense. That is very different than the Cubs have confirmed that they are interviewing these people. And the thing that drives me most crazy about the offseason and trade rumors and managerial talk and all of that is that it's really hard to distinguish those things. And this is how you get all these rumors of like, so-and-so could be traded when really all it is is like somebody hypothesizing based on some data that they think that might make sense. (laughs) Um, And so I'm going to promise to like try to flag all that stuff. I might even write a piece about it, just sort of like how to keep yourself from going crazy as you read all these off-season articles. Um, But so these are the confirmed candidates that we know the Cubs have said they are going to talk to and interview. So David Ross, uh, backup catcher, John Lester's personal catcher, hero of the 2016 Cubs, Will Venable, who has been a coach in the Cubs organization, 
for a while now. That was kind of a surprise candidate to me, but he is a really valued member of the coaching staff. And, you know, I, 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 the only reason it was a surprise to me is because I thought it might be a little bit of a jump for him to go um, from being one of the, I think he's one of the base coaches. Um, first base. But he's one third base. First, um, first base. First base. First base. Thank you. To, to go from there straight to manager, but he's been in the organization a long time and he wants to move up. Uh, Mark Loretta, who is currently the bench coach for the Chicago Cubs, and Joe Girardi, who used to be the coach for the New York Yankees and has spent the last couple of years doing um, lots of commentary and whatnot on MLB Network. The other two candidates that I have heard who are not Cubs-confirmed candidates, to my knowledge, I, I uh, J.P. Morosi, who is an MLB insider, mentioned Raul Abanez as being interested in managing in the short term. Um, he is, and he linked him to the Cubs potentially. Um, he has also been linked to the Pirates job because the Pirates let uh, manager Clint Hurdle go. And then I have also heard that Carlos Beltran is interested in managing. He has been linked to the Mets job. I have not heard him specifically linked to the Cubs job by anybody other than our friend um, Luis Medina, who thinks that Beltran would be a great manager for the Cubs. Um, oh, and then the worst rumor, which is the, exactly the type of rumor that I hate, um, Paul Sullivan just popped up on Twitter to say that he thought it would be really interesting if AJ Pruszynski was considered to be the Cubs manager because everybody knows you should replace Joe Madden with a guy who was famous for getting punched in the face. Uh, personally, I laughed out loud at that. I thought that was quite funny. And listen, props to Paul Sullivan for getting clicks any way he can, because I'm <laughs> going to guess that this probably caused an uproar of clicks, like just either to laugh or like to see his reasoning. I mean, that is just the most ridiculous suggestion I've ever heard. <laughs> yeah, no, uh, uh, maybe, maybe he can manage the White Sox, <laughs> some yeah. team that doesn't hate him. Right. Not yes. Here. Not the cast. Yeah. No. Probably not. Not a good fit. I'm going to go ahead and go out, out on a limb and say that's not a good fit. <laughs> so, what do you think, Andy? Who's interesting to you here? What are your What's your gut reaction to these candidates? Well, I like you was also very surprised by the Will Venable announcement, but I have grown to love this. Um, he is somebody who has a reputation and just the. A um, little bit that I was able to read up on him since um, being a first base coach with the Chicago Cubs. He has such a great relationship with these guys. He's very well respected. He is a genius. I believe he comes from an Ivy League school. Um, very baseball smart, very baseball savvy. He is, he's just somebody that intrigues me as, you know, you kind of didn't see that one coming. So for me, it was like, there is a reason why he is a candidate going straight from a first base coach to managing this team. There's a reason for that. And um, if you look at some of the, some of the guys that have left the Chicago Cubs to go into uh, coaching other teams, it's, it's a gradual thing. Like they usually make their way to bench coach and then, you know, get moved up to uh, promoted to managing a team. But for Will Venable, for his name to be mentioned and for him to be interviewed um, by all accounts that I've listened to over the past few days, he 100 percent is going to go into that interview and knock it out of the park and very much going to impress these guys. So he's kind of my my dark horse for this. I kind of like him. And I think, like I said, I think it's extremely intriguing that he has been mentioned and that he is in this spot. And I, I can't wait to hear what um, what exactly 
is said after he interviews because you know, I'm certain he's going to get some attention if he is interviewing for managing the Chicago Cubs. You know, if if he doesn't get some sort of offseason promotion, if he doesn't get the job, then, you know, he's he's definitely getting some attention from other teams around the league now. Well, right. And that's that's another interesting thing you said you said there about um, him getting some more attention. And I looked it up. He um, graduated from Princeton. He's an Ivy League guy. Um, another Ivy League candidate who has been rumored to be in the mix, but I haven't heard of him getting an interview. So if if he if I am incorrect about that, somebody can correct me is Mark DeRosa, who graduated from Penn. The Cubs like their smart managers. Um, no, but the thing that's interesting here to me is that maybe he doesn't get the manager job, but there's a lot of potential parts that could move around this offseason. We've mentioned the fact that Mark Loretta, who is another candidate, has ties to the Padres. The Padres are also looking for a manager. So you could almost see Mark Loretta moving potentially. And if that were the case, maybe Will Venable moves up in the organization, even if he doesn't get the manager role. And I think that, yeah, like you said, everything I've heard, he sounds like an absolutely fascinating candidate and somebody that this team already knows. Um, One of the things that I thought was interesting, and I, I sort of, based on what I'm reading, and I can't tell how much of this is what fans want versus actual factual, like I'm reacting to what the news that is out there. Um, People seem to think of Ross as the favorite Girardi as sort of like the traditional candidate who has to be in the mix um, and that maybe there could be a dark horse. I, I don't know. I think that the Ross, the Ross move, I saw a really interesting line in a bastion piece um, about how it could be kind of difficult after he's been friends and been in the clubhouse for him to then manage that clubhouse. Like how do you bridge the friend to manager role? And that would be something Will Venable wouldn't have to do. You know what I mean? Um, Absolutely. And I think the other concern that they raised with David Ross is that, you know, nobody likes the phrase, the window is closing, but quite frankly, it is. And you know, we're not in any position right now to have a ton of young talent coming up through the system and and Ross to get kind of a, a clean slate, if you will. These are guys that have been in the playoff picture, have played together for a few years, and they're running out of time to do this thing together. So the concern was David Ross never having managed a team and then coming in trying to manage these veterans who have been there, done that while he was on the team. That's not that it doesn't always translate to running the team. So I know that was kind of a concern. And I love that there's so many people that that want David Ross to be in that spot, but really you have to think about it in the sense of, is he set up with his skill set to succeed in that position? And I honestly, I love him. Please don't anybody translate this into, I don't love him. I do love him. I think he will make a great coach someday, a great manager someday, but he has got to go through the ranks like everyone else. He's got to get some time under his belt to know how it goes from that angle. I think he will be great in that spot. I just don't think that they throw him into that spot cold turkey without having managed at any capacity. I mean, we'll see. I'm not sure about this. So my position for a long time has been that that's not really Theo's MO, that he doesn't just throw the new manager into the manager spot. But a lot of baseball front offices are moving that way. They're taking the guy who's never managed before and putting him in that seat because they view it as a way to really create synergy between the front office and the manager 
because there isn't a lot of pushback or traditional stuff that that person already is bringing to the table. And I, I don't know, it, it could be really interesting. Um, one note, since I did bring up Mark DeRosa uh, after the fact, I didn't list him in my original list. One note that came out here on 670 The Score last week since we last recorded, um, DeRosa was apparently asked to be on the coaching staff for 2019 and declined, which I thought was really interesting. Um, and so it sort of seems like DeRosa might be like a manager or bus type of guy. Like, I don't know that he's necessarily looking to work his way up as a base coach or a bench coach or something like that. I don't know. Just something that struck that stood out to me from an interview earlier this week. Can I, I want to add one thing that I um, forgot to mention uh, my feelings kind of on Joe Girardi, because I have been on record as saying that I don't think he is a good fit for the Chicago Cubs team. I will, however, say that he has done one heck of a PR run the last week just in basically trying to reframe himself as somebody that is now in line with analytics, which I don't know if that's, I don't know if it's true or not. I don't know. Obviously he's not in a position that he can prove it to us, but I will say he has done one heck of a a spin on this to actually be in a, a spot to interview for this. I'm sure there's other things involved, but I mean, he was definitely somebody that not a lot of people in charge felt would be a good fit for this new kind of line of thinking that the Chicago Cubs had taken over with the the Theo regime. So I, I give him all the props in the world, whether it's that he gets the Chicago the Chicago Cubs job or he goes on to interview at other teams and gets another job. You know, props to him for for totally going out there and reframing, you know, his reputation that he kind of left. Uh, the major leagues with, because I know, you know, he kind of had a rough go there at the end before he left managing. And, and now that he's able to get an interview and kind of, you know, went on record and and done a couple interviews and, and basically gone out there and said, this is not, I don't know where this came from. This is not who I am. You know, I'm really open to new things and open to doing different things and blah, blah, blah. Good for him. Good for him. Seriously. If he knows that that's what he wants to do, he wants to get back into managing, then good for him to go out there and, and you know, admit that he probably needs to to adjust with the times. And, you know, and I hope whatever he ends up doing, he does, you know, he does get a good high profile job because he is good in that spot. Yeah, I, um, I'm glad you brought that up. I had not thought to mention the PR push that he's been doing there. And he certainly has been if you've been listening and seeing the pieces that have been written about this over the past week or so, I, he's talking about how he's with the analytics and whatnot. And I always, I'm like, really? Girardi analytics? Yeah. <laughs> Those <laughs> like, do not go together. <laughs> not really how I ever thought of him. But it is worth remembering that, you know, he was getting a lot out of that young Yankees team when he was let go by the Yankees. It was, it was kind of a surprise to everybody that that happened. Um, They were about a year early when he was asked basically not to come back. And so it would be really interesting to see. um, I don't know. I, some days I think that he's like really just being given the interview because he, it would, you know, you can't turn down somebody who has that type of resume and ties to the club and whatnot. And then other times I think he's a really serious candidate and he's probably a better candidate than a lot of these guys who have no managerial experience. So it'll, it'll be interesting. 
Yeah, definitely agreed on that. And I think my whole point to that was I, I was just trying to say my me going out and saying, I don't think he's a good fit. I don't think he would work in in the with the current team and, and all the front offices, you know, going for that was based on his previous not with the analytics vibe. So I'm I'm happy to say that if he is willing to change and willing to adjust and you know he might not be the worst fit but that was my whole thing about no Joe Girardi was because of that so I just wanted to clarify I was basing that on the fact that we need somebody that can you know work with the analytics and obviously use those to um to manage a team successfully uh this will surprise nobody Joe Madden has already been linked to the Angels job I think that you probably will hear him linked to at least the Padres job and maybe a couple of other jobs before it's all said and done. But it sounds like he is going to interview for the Angels job. Yeah, I would guess he's hired by them by the end of the week, but that's just me. Yeah, I I don't know that it'll be that fast, but I think it would probably be pretty quick. I, With I, all the openings. like a really good fit for him. Oh, yeah, 100%. With all the openings right now, I think you're going to start to see things move a little bit quicker with some of these markets that – are they have obvious fits. So I, I think you'll see probably him move fast and I would bet the Cubs have a manager pretty quick too. Yeah, we will keep an eye on that for sure. And you'll hear about it here on Cup of Cubby Blue. Um, a couple of other free agent watch, uh, a little bit of a free agent watch here. So both Cole Hamels and Nicholas Castellanos are free agents um, as of right now. And both would like to be back with the Cubs. Andy, what do you think? Can the Cubs make this happen? Should they make this happen? I've seen a lot of pieces out there on both of these guys. Well, I did not get an opportunity to read this. However, I did. Um, they did get a click from me. So congratulations, The Athletic, because I don't I don't pay for that subscription. It is my goal to do that because I know that I miss out on a lot of good stuff there. But they did say something about how Cole Hamels is wanting to be a Cub or could end up with a division rival. And I did not read that piece to know what division rival he's hinting at, but um, that's that that was kind of you know here's my thing. Okay, you know what, Cole, you want to go, you want to you know dangle that carrot, then go be with a division rival because I I don't like that. To me, that doesn't sit well. You either want to be a cub or you don't. And I understand you're a free agent, but until your guy goes and talks with the Cubs people, don't say stuff like that makes anybody think you're hinting at being with a division rival, put all your eggs in the Cubs basket. That doesn't work out. You have options, but you need, you're the only one that really needs to know that you have options. I get it. You're trying to create the whole urgency thing with, with the Cubs, you know, they're, they either want you or they don't. And, and you saying that you could potentially sign with a division rival to me, it doesn't really help you. Um, and the way that you were pitching at the end of the season, I'm kind of here for it. I mean, you know, unless you can come back and, and be a strong, um, a strong rotation pitcher for us, I don't know that we want to go down that road again. Yeah, I, I didn't read that athletic piece either. I'm actually kind of skimming it right now to see if I can um, find a specific team. I don't see a specific team mentioned here. I Look, the Cole Hamels thing is a little bit weird to me. Prior to when he had that oblique injury before the All-Star break, I thought he was going to be an All-Star. Like, I thought he was exactly what the Cubs wanted. He was a great signing. Everything was good. He came back from the oblique injury. His ERA was over seven. And while 
a little bit of that was bad luck. His FIP was like in the mid 5.5 range. And it just like that really hurt the team down the stretch. You can't have somebody pitching every five days who's giving up five runs and throwing about four or five innings maximum. So I don't know. I, I think that if he does want to stay with the Cubs, he would need to take a pretty sizable cut in pay. He's certainly not going to make the type of money that he was making last year. I want to say that he made 20 million last year, um, maybe 15, but I, it was a lot. I, at, at one, last, I know that the last time I looked at this, I sort of thought that the Cubs would give him a qualifying offer of 18 million and that he would reject that. You can't do that now because he would probably take an $18 million qualifying offer. Uh, yeah. Um, so <laughs> yeah. it's it's a really weird situation. I mean, do you want $9 million Cole Hamels? Is $9 million Cole Hamels worth it? Maybe. <laughs> uh, is $15 million Cole Hamels worth it? Probably not. No way. Um, and so it just, I don't know. I, yeah, I have a lot of <laughs> questions there. Um Nicholas Castellanos, on the other hand, I, I am intrigued. And I know there are concerns that you couldn't possibly play both him and Schwarber all season at the corners because of the defensive um, problems. And I, I don't know. I'm, I, I kind of would. <laughs> I mean, what, what I don't understand. Where is this coming from? Is this still coming from their numbers on paper? Because I'm pretty sure that you and I watched the second half of the season with both of them at the corners and there wasn't any glaring issues yeah I don't remember like I remember each of them maybe having one play a piece since the start of July where I was like oh man I wish there was a better defensive left right. fielder or right fielder right but one play out of two months I don't know the bats and the bats were legit you know what I mean like how do you well and they both have good arms I mean they they're, they're great arms yeah yeah there's nothing this is what I don't understand. People continue to to make assumptions and judgments on this stuff based on their numbers on paper. You know, Nick Castellanos basically came in and made everyone look silly with how he played defense because he played good defense. I mean, continually, I feel like you and I discussed, when are we going to see the bad defense? Because it's it's not happening. Like everybody's like, oh, his defense. And I'll, I'll admit I fell into that trap and I was like, I don't want him. I don't want another bad defensive outfielder. I just don't. And then when he got here, I fell in love. Like he's amazing. He's so good and brought such a spark to this team. And there's so many intangibles. And I know that's not even something that we even need to talk about when it comes to him because his numbers did enough. But I just don't understand where people are concerned about the defense. I mean, yeah, if you're putting him at third base, okay, that might be a problem. But in right field, there was, there was, he was not a liability. He was fine. Yeah, he was fine. I mean, he wasn't Jason Hayward out there. I no, no. If, if you're playing, if you like are one of these people that thinks the Cubs have to go get a center fielder who can lead off, which I don't even know. There's like four of those guys, and I don't think any of them are free agents. But like, if you're one of those people, you're right that he's not he's not going to help you there. But if you believe Jason Hayward can play center, and you're not super wedded to the idea that the center fielder must be the leadoff guy, I I think that you could probably be okay with Nicholas Castellanos and Kyle Schwarber at the corners. I mean, their offensive numbers alone. I mean, you just can't, you can't ignore that. They, they were both productive and both caught some serious fire there in the second half of the season. And it was fun to watch. All right. There are more than two uh, Cubs who will be free agents, but we'll, we'll like roll this out each week as we talk about different possibilities for contracts and whatnot. Oh my God. I'm laughing hysterically at the moment at what just happened to a Rosarena at the plate. 
Um, if, if you were watching the game, he just um, threw his bat at a ball and then basically struck out and got thrown out at first on a ball that was a wild pitch in the dirt. Um, and he was, I don't know, arguing that he didn't swing. I, I, <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm way behind you. I'm way behind you. Yeah. About. Okay. Well, we'll see it in a second. It's, it's, he just starts. <laughs> He like turns around and looks at the umpire like, what? And I'm like, what do you mean? What? <laughs> Throwing your bat at the ball is swinging. Bat. Oh, I see it. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He swung. Sorry, he guy. Swung. You swung. Sorry, guy. Um, okay. We are going to take a quick break for our sponsors and then we will talk all things playoff baseball, let you know what we've seen so far in these series and games that has us interested and in talking offline. We'll be right back. And we're back. So the playoffs are underway. It's been about a week. It's been crazy. Uh, absolutely nuts baseball. Um, I'm just going to start with the wild card game. Juan Soto crushed the Brewers' hearts and dreams, and it was awesome. Oh, my goodness. I Can you hear me? I'm smiling. Can you hear- <laughs> <laughs> I'm smiling. That was that was. That was, that was fun. I'm not going to lie. That was fun. Um, I don't like being that person, but you know, Milwaukee just kind of does that to me. I I don't know what else to say about that. Well, and they were, I mean, they were sitting in a really good spot. They had hater in, it looked like things were just bad for the nationals. If you recall, my whole thing about Hater way back at the beginning of the season was like, you guys are going to pay for this eventually. And I think this is when they paid for it because I mean, his arm was just not, you know, he was hanging stuff and his pitches just weren't, you know, didn't have the velocity. Yep. No, it's bad. So, I mean, that's, that's what I, you know, I don't claim to be a major league manager by any means, but that's just common sense. I mean, that's just wear and tear that goes on over the season. And that's why, you know, you don't see a whole lot of three inning saves in May or April for that matter. Absolutely. No, I totally agree. And the Brewers tried that with Hater this year, and it, it ultimately came back to bite them in the wild card. I, Juan Soto is just having a fun postseason, and and this is a really fun player. I um, posted a link on Twitter. He actually had them remake his bobblehead because it wasn't smiling enough. I heard that story, too. It's that is so fantastic. And so anyway, so when he came around second and is, like, grinning ear to ear as he gets tagged out because He's just kind of like caught in no man's land between second and third. I and that was what I remembered that he was just having so much fun. He's like, whatever, I I got the lead, it's okay. Well, and I'm not gonna lie, that post game interview with his dad standing there, I was oh I was a wreck. I'm not gonna lie, I was a total wreck because this kid is what 20 years old, yeah. 21 years old. I mean, he is a kid. I can't even. I don't even remember what I was doing at 20, but I assure you, it was nothing like this. This, I mean, just. He is in, yes, I, I tweeted that he annoys me, but he annoys me because he's so good and he does not play for us. And he also has that weird kind of stare wobble thing going on when he is at the plate, when he's batting, it's, it's kind of weird, but it's fine. It's his thing. It's what he does. We all, you know, we, we have a lot of players that have that on, on the Cubs. We won't talk Anthony Rizzo, but like, it's just, that was just such a cool moment. And like to see his dad just kept, I'm like getting choked up right now. Just talking about it. See his dad just kept wiping the tears and you know, you can just imagine what they went through as a family to make sure he got to where he was and for his dad to be there next to him enjoying that. That was just such an amazing moment. Yeah, that was great. And the nationals are going to try to stave off elimination against the Dodgers tonight. 
at another game where it's only going to cost you $27 to go to a playoff game. I, I just can't with these fan bases where it's like, oh, we want to we want to be in the playoffs so badly. We want to win so badly. And then it's they can't fill their stadium with playoff tickets. I <laughs> that's Listen, a night game. That's I a, wish like five o'clock on the East Coast. I know that's crazy. I wish like just for one one postseason the Chicago Cubs could have like that because I would be at every single game. Every single Seriously. game. I could I could then afford to stay in a hotel the entire time and buy tickets to the game. <laughs> like Seriously. with current prices of Cubs postseason, I would have to sleep in my car and go to the game. <laughs> I can't get a Cubs Cardinals ticket on a weeknight for $27. Right, right. Yeah. It's just it's 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 unfair. Totally unfair. But whatever. You whatever. people yeah, you people sleep at night. I don't know how how you do it. <laughs> Um, we were talking a little bit earlier about the, uh, Rays Astro series. The Rays beat the A's pretty, pretty solidly, um, to make it into that series against the Astros. I was a little bit nervous that they were going to be swept in three, but today they decided to come back and just hit all the home runs against the Astros. So the Rays are not dead yet. And they're also out drawing the Cardinals for a Monday afternoon game. So, um, Still here for the race, hoping they can dance again. I don't know. That Astros team looks solid. It Granky didn't look great, but uh Garrett Cole was unbelievable and Justin Verlander is Justin Verlander. So that's a pretty stacked rotation. Can I just tell you that I'm asking for Garrett Cole for Christmas? That's what I'm I asking don't want for. Gar- I don't want Garrett Cole for Christmas. What? Why it, not? He's gonna cost thirty-five million dollars a year, and I don't think that the Cubs have the pitching staff to get what the Astros are getting out of him. Like, if you remember who Garrett Cole was with the Pirates, he was not this guy. And I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that I think the Astros probably have the best pitching staff in terms of scouting and mechanics in the business. Um, I I base that based on, you know, Verlander went there and was a totally different person. Cole went there and was a totally different person. Um, I just don't trust the Cubs pitching infrastructure to get that same response out of Garrett Cole. And if he can't do it on his own... He's not worth $35 million a year for seven years. That's so, true. And now that I think about it, we probably need to spread that $35 million over maybe one or two starters. <laughs> I, I mean, I just I, – I, I hate to be that girl, but I just – I don't know. It makes me – Garrett Cole, I think, could be very good for a team that has excellent pitching resources. And I'm not sure the Cubs are that team. Uh, I'm glad that Theo is hiring a director of pitching and a director of hitting to hopefully – you know, make them better and more consistent at how they develop those traits. But at the moment, I'm not convinced that they can just go get that, uh, get a guy like that who was clearly such a different pitcher in a different organization. And I just, I just hope somebody like Garrett Cole doesn't go to a division rival. Well, I mean, and that's a real risk, but I, you know, the Reds just hired, um, who was it? The, Driveline is not right. Um, they just hired a pitching person who I was really interested in that the, the Cubs were apparently interested in as well. And I, I thought it was I thought it was interesting for multiple reasons that that person would prefer to go to the Reds than to work with the Cubs. Well, part um, of that, I did read into that. And part of that was the Reds are letting him keep his position with the company that he works for, whereas the Cubs would not have. Well, yeah, I don't know. We'll see. Um, it'll, it'll be interesting for sure. Uh, we will definitely talk more about the resources that the Cubs bring on beyond manager stuff, because this is the type of thing that 
makes a difference in terms of who you can sign and what types of um, responses you think you can get from those contracts, right? Um, Mm -hmm. That the Cubs have certainly not been the place for pitchers to go to and improve, at least not over the last few years. So yeah, hopefully that's on their list of things to change. (laughs) So spending $30 million a year on a guy makes me real nervous. Um, The, uh, okay, so briefly, and I'm sick of watching the Yankees just beat up on other teams. And I really want the twins to win because I don't want the Yankees to win. But like this thing that Yankees fans did uh, yesterday or the day before was truly terrible. Chanting Uber at Andy Dobnik, who is a twins pitcher who has until recently was in the minor leagues. I may have actually mispronounced his name. So I apologize if I did that, but he drives an Uber in the off season because M- minor league pay is atrocious because people are making like nothing like, below minimum wage and so Yankees fans were chanting uber at him during the game and and this is why everybody hates New York sorry yeah (laughs) that's that is so low class that is so I mean for somebody to actively go out there and look for information like that and then use it against him is like really that's really sad that's that's low that's really low and you're exactly right that is the reason why New York gets the the reputation they get because of stuff like that. Yeah, it was just such a, it it was like, look, I'm all for if you have like some jokes going on between your squad and there are funny things going back and forth and whatever. And Lord knows that the Cubs and Cardinals have like some jokes that are pretty cutting between them. I can't imagine Cubs fans or Cardinals fans for that matter, mocking a player because they needed to make ends meet by driving an Uber in the off season. I can't imagine it. Well, I mean, and not to bring this up, but this is it, it's it's kind of worth mentioning that all the things that between the Cardinals and the Cubs players have been accused of or um, you know, found guilty of, if you will, nothing like that has ever gone on between the two teams as far as like using that against them on the field. You right. know what I mean? Like yeah. there's much worse things people are doing than driving Ubers in the off season. And nobody is ever bringing that up. Like I don't understand why that's, I don't know. It just, it's so disheartening to me. Right. Well, in this end, the Yankees are a team that has not one, but two players dealing with domestic violence suspension. So, you know. Yeah. Good to know that. How many Yankees fans had to, were, are like doing work in the gig economy to buy tickets to Yankee Stadium and they're making, I don't know. I just, it, it, I thought it was gross. Um, I'm still cranky about it. <laughs> Not yeah. Over it. Yeah. Hey, real quick before we move on, can I I need to do a couple shout outs real quick. Okay. So I had somebody reach out to me, Michael Hearman. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. He's been listening to us for a while, basically since we've started. And he is a cousin of a very good friend of mine and did not realize that we had that in common. So I need to to say hello to him. Thank you so much for listening. And thank you for reaching out. We had a very good baseball conversation over Twitter the other night. And I really appreciate you listening to us. Um, The other thing I wanted to mention is we have a friend of the show, Matt, Graffinino, sorry if I butchered that. Um, he asked us which was which is more enjoyable to us: the Brewers blowing the wild card game or the Cardinals blowing Game Three. And I'm going to answer mine real quick, and I'll do it very quickly. Cardinals blowing Game Three was by far the better of the two, okay. and that's simply yeah, simply because where I live and what I put up with, I think it's just much easier for me to to walk 
into my job and, you know, anywhere with any kind of Cubs gear on knowing that they can't really say a whole lot right now. <laughs> well, and Matt was doing a fundraiser th- trying to break the world record for most pitches in a certain amount of time or something like that. And that was really cool stuff. So if you've not checked that out, you should follow him on Twitter. We retweeted that from our account. So you can just uh, link to him there. But that was great stuff. I mean, I, I have to agree with you. That game three was okay. So this is actually where I wanted to end the show today. So let's just do that. Um, the Cardinals fans got all bent out of shape after game one at Acuna for not laying out a double and not respecting the game and that flipping on a home run and all this other nonsense. And Carlos Martinez of all people decided to like have all these statements about respecting the game and all this, all the, all that jazz. And then in game three with Billy Hamilton on second, he blows a kiss at Billy Hamilton right before blowing the entire game. And I just, (laughs) karma, my friends, karma, it's coming. It's real. (laughs) Carlos Martinez is such a head case. He's such a head case. And the second you get any kind of real estate in there, you might as well consider his pitching over because he just, once anybody gets in his head and messes with him, he's done. He's worthless. And he showed that in game three. And I'm sorry, but that is just as much on Mike Schill as it is on Carlos Martinez. Of 12 runs that they've given up to Atlanta, six of them belong to Carlos Martinez. Wow. So yeah, that, that, that's something right there. That's something to look at. Yeah. We're going to see if Carlos Martinez makes an appearance uh, in this do or die game four, where Atlanta currently is clinging to a one run lead. Um, Josh Tomlin, it looks like is coming out of this game, having gotten one out in the eighth and we'll see, man, the Braves bullpen makes me nervous. <laughs> Really what know. bullpen doesn't make us nervous these days? Uh, yes, you know it is. It is nice to see these games and realize that other teams have bullpens that make them nervous. <laughs> it yeah. is not just the Cubs. Yeah. Yeah. Every time Mark Melanson comes in to close a game, I'm like, oh my god! I watch with one eye. <laughs> Seriously. Um, so anyway, so that's what Andy and I are going to do. We will tell you our reactions to what happens in Game Four if any, if the Braves do not um, come back, or if the Braves do not hold on to this. And need to have a game five. We'll talk about that too. We'll tell you what we see in all of the rest of the series on our next episode. And as promised, if there is any big news, free agent signings, trades, a new manager, anything like that, we will be emergency podcasting right away. Um, so follow us on at Cup of Cubby Blue at Twitter. Thanks so much for listening all throughout the season. I promise you're going to want to stay listening through the off season. We've got some great content in store. And yeah, Andy, I can't wait to talk to you later this week. Sounds good. I'm ready. All right. Have a good one.